from Brown Cow Studios in Montana, this is News Nerds, the news podcast. On this week's episode, I talk to Pulitzer Prize-winning cartoonist Barry Blitt. He illustrates cartoons for The New Yorker and other publications. He has contributed over a hundred covers to The New Yorker, and he talks to me today about his inspiration, what his son thinks of his work, his controversial 2008 cover depicting the Obamas, fist bumping in the Oval Office, and more. Also, the Listen Challenge will be extended one week so that we can get more of your answers and Book Nook is back. All this on this week's episode of News Nerds. I'm your host, Ezra Graham, and stay tuned because it's News Nerds. It's time for Book Nook on this week's edition of Book Nook. My recommendation is the book, There's Nothing in This Book That I Meant to Say. It's by the comedian Paula Poundstone. You might have heard of her from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I interviewed Bill Curtis, who was the scorekeeper for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and B.J. Lederman, who wrote the theme for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So there's some connections to news nerds there. But she is a panelist on that podcast, and in that that podcast... Uh, she, she, uh, along with Peter Sagal and the other, the other two panelists, she makes some jokes there. Uh, it's funny there, but you know what's even funnier? Her book, there's nothing in this book that I meant to say. It's just a whole 200 plus pages of her only, um, and it's a great book. She talks about her kids, um, how she was arrested for drunk driving with her kids in the, back seat uh and she talks about the trial but she talks about her own life she also talks about famous people's lives it's kind of uh a biography and an autobiography all packed into one book she talks about famous people like sitting bull helen keller beethoven and then relates their experiences to her life their very significant uh achievements to some of the everyday things that she does but it's very funny and i would definitely recommend that book it's there's nothing in this book that i meant to say it's a timeless book even though it was written about a dozen years ago i'm not sure on that but you can read it whenever and feel like it was written yesterday there's nothing that you feel is not up to date it's a great book um and i would recommend it she's also written another book which i have not read yet but i want to it's called the totally unscientific guide to the uh to the search for human happiness that's just a mouthful um but she wrote that one i think two years ago so that's another book to check out she also has her own podcast now it's called uh the nobody listens to paula poundstone podcast and it's about an hour and 30 minutes every tuesday with uh fellow comedian uh, adam felber who is also on wait wait don't tell me and her as well as her manager and named bonnie burns and tony anita hall um who they just make jokes for the hour they interview an expert some maybe somebody from the pew research center they've interviewed alex trebek people like that and they have that in their show they also have a vocabulary song for remembering their vocabulary and um lots of great segments uh it's very funny you should definitely check it out and she is now on tours again so her book is there's nothing in this book that i meant to say check it out
The listener challenge came back last week from his winter vacation, and I said I'd reveal the winner and the prize this week, but I'll be extending the challenge by one week so that you can have a little bit more of a chance to give me some more answers. And if you don't remember last week's challenge, here it is again. Take the name of a well-known children's author or the name that he or she goes by and rearrange the first three letters in that name to make a word that can be found in one of this author's book titles. When you have the answer, go to our website. That's newsnerdspodcast.com, newsnerdspodcast.com, and click the contact button so you can submit your answer through that simple form. Or if you'd rather use your voice through a voice message, go to anchor.fm slash newsnerds slash message to send me a voice message. And remember, if you are the winner, that voice message may be featured on News Nerds. Thank you so much for your answers, and submit them by next week when we'll have our winner. It's time for my interview with Barry Blitt. He's a cartoonist for The New Yorker, and he won the Pulitzer Prize last year for editorial cartooning. We'll talk this week about his inspiration, what his son thinks of his work, his controversial 2008 cover depicting the Obamas fist-bumping in the Oval Office, and even more. Let's go to that interview now. is a Pulitzer Prize winning cartoonist for The New Yorker. He has won the Pulitzer, and that was in 2020, for editorial cartooning. He's illustrated over 100 New Yorker covers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, featuring U.S. leaders, um, politicians, and he joins us now. Thank you for joining us on News Nerds. Well, thanks for asking, Ezra. So why did you start to draw uh, cartoons? Why did I start drawing cartoons? Well, I mean, I think all kids draw when they're little, you know, when they're young. And certainly I, you know, I, I just basically never stopped. And for a while I thought I'd be a fine artist and I tried to do, you know, realistic, you know, meaningful drawings, but it seemed like the sense of humor was the, was, you know, where I always ended up being, you know, that was the, the strongest thing I had to say. I was always making jokes and stuff. So my work, that, that's what it turned into. If, if I was trying to, you know, to do serious work, it ended up being cartoons. So I, I think that um, most authors get their ideas kind of spontaneously. They, you know, look at something and then they get an idea. Uh, do you get your ideas for cartoons uh, in the same way that authors do, kind of instantly, you don't really know um, how that 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 you got that idea into your head, but you know that you could make something out of it. A lot of my cartoonist friends, we always sort of dread the the question, the inevitable question: Where do you get your ideas? Because it's really, you know, it's really hard to say. It's like explain, you know. What, where I'm coming up with the words I'm using right now, it's, it's a subconscious or an unconscious uh, 
sort of activity. And, you know, basically I'm just sitting with a sketchbook and, and thinking about stuff. And, and it's just my sort of my point of view to, to think about things in a funny way. So it's, it's very hard to, to, to actually describe what happens. It is spontaneous. That's a good word for it. So you are Canadian and you were born in Canada, but you illustrate covers for the New Yorker about leaders, presidents, politicians uh, in the last years, uh, Mitch McConnell, President Trump, President Obama, now President Biden. So why do you think you are, um, you know, drawing leaders instead of something else if, if you didn't, weren't? raised with them uh, at, in Washington? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and I will correct you and say that I am American. I, I, I uh, got my citizenship. I've been living here since 1989. I, okay. moved, I moved, you know, uh, well, 30-some years ago and then got, became an American citizen maybe 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, but even as a kid, I, for some strange reason, I was drawing... American stuff. And that's, you know, Montreal's not far from, the, I grew up in Montreal, it's not far from the American border. And Canada's sort of a self-conscious and quiet place. We don't revere our presidents and our, you know, they're not big heroes like they are here. So, you know, I was drawing George Washington before I ever drew a, a Canadian prime minister, which is kind of strange, I think. And, and coming down here, when I moved here in 89, I wasn't particularly doing you know much political work i was doing i was drawing michael jackson and i was drawing a lot of pop culture stuff and it just it would, by the assignments i was getting you know first i was drawing rock stars and and a lot of baseball players and then when bill clinton got into some trouble a lot of the art directors i were i was dealing with were asking me to draw him and then from you know since then it's been a, lo a lot of political work you had a job for a magazine doing you drew celebrities um so yeah that makes sense yeah, so you use pen ink and watercolors in your drawings uh you could have chose anything else why did you choose that medium yeah that sort of relates to what i was talking about before sort of when i went to art school when i got into art school first the work I was doing was sort of very realistic charcoal drawings that were exacting and, and really didn't suit my sensibilities, you know, if, if you know what I mean. I, it just, I was, you know, I think I saw the world in a sort of a funny way, but I was drawing this very serious and, and uh, realistic kind of work. And then I just was messing around with pen and ink. You know, I think it's always good for artists to be trying different things. And I was just trying this sort of messy washy pen and ink style and it really was much easier to to convey ideas that I was having in that style you know it looked funny if they were sort of if they weren't drawn great or if the head was drawn you know very realistically and then the body was sort of scribbled it, it sort of had a funny appeal to it and that's what when I brought my work around to different publications that was the style that that the art directors were in, interested in. You know, I showed them the realistic charcoal stuff and none of them had any use for it. So, so that's where that came from, just from experimenting. Uh, so do you have kids? I do have a son. I have a 25-year-old son, yes. So what does he think of your illustrating? Uh, what does he think of it? I, uh, I'm not sure, you know, he... 
we 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 used to do something called art with Barry when he was a you know when he was quite young and and I would we would draw together and you know he still he draws great and we still you know he's living in England but thankfully there's technology like this and we can you know say hi especially during a pandemic and he shows me his drawings all the time and I'll you know sometimes now when I also when I I, I can't use Photoshop at all I bet you're a whiz with it but I you know there. Can you not? I don't use it. Ah, because he'll he'll fix stuff for me if I'm you know if I've got a deadline and I can't figure out what you know what to do with something if I want to drop out a background or move something, he's able to do all that stuff naturally. Do you think uh, his friends knew that you illustrated for the New Yorker? Did he tell them? Um, uh, I I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many of his, of his young friends were reading, reading The New Yorker when he was growing, growing up. So how much time does it take to draw a New Yorker cover on average? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question also, because there have been a couple of New, of New Yorker covers where, you know, particularly timely covers. I, do you remember Brexit? Do you know what that is? Yeah. Well, that happened on, like on a late Thursday night. Obviously, it was in yeah. in the UK, so it was very late here. And usually, the New Yorker is sent to the printer on Thursday. So, when I woke up after listening to it I, on the radio, when I woke up Friday morning, I didn't think there would be any cover involved. But of course, the New Yorker art director Francoise Mouly sent an email around to several cover artists saying, "If anyone has an idea." you know, a Brexit idea, we're going to hold, you know, stop the presses, like they say in, in the movies, and try and, you know, get this on the cover. And I just, you know, I was sort of half asleep and had my face in my oatmeal, but I was able to scribble something out and sent her a couple of drawings, and she, and she liked one of them, and, and then I had to draw the final art. You know, first you just send a rough sketch to, to give an idea of what you're thinking. And I probably drew that in an hour and a half, which is just, you know, crazy. But generally, if I, you know, generally I'm given more time than that. It's not always so last minute. That's another good thing about the pen and ink style too, is, is you know, you draw quick and you color it in quick and you, you get it out of here. So it's, you're, it's able to work like that. One of your covers. Uh, yeah, in, I know what you're say. Yeah, you know, you know. The public response to the cover of it showed the Obamas fist bumping in the Oval Office and Michelle had a gun strapped to the to her back and then Barack was dressed as a Muslim. And this was kind of a uh, portrait of what, uh, uh, you know, far right people thought of that scene. And, you know, some commentators, maybe on Fox News. So how did you come up with this cover? Yeah, that was in, in the heat of the... Uh... 2008 election and uh, Barack Obama, who I was certainly rooting for, but you know, I, I'm happy to make a, a harsh drawing about you know, you know, my mother or you know, anyone I like, you know, it's anything for a laugh. It's sort of sad. But in, in this particular instance, there was so much, you know, so many lies and innuendo you know, in the, on the airwaves about Barack Obama. A lot of people were afraid of him or didn't like him or he seemed other to them, you know. It, and they, on Fox News, they said, you know, they, they showed a clip of Michelle and Barack fist bumping and they called it a terrorist fist jab. 
And Rush Limbaugh, who was alive then, was saying a lot of terrible things about them. And it just, you know, I will sit with a sketchbook and, and fool around. That's, where, that's, you know, where you asked how the ideas come, but that's where they come in a sketchbook. And I just was sort of doodling all the different things that were said about him. I had an American flag burning in the, in the fireplace and I had Obama dressed like a secret Muslim. I think someone called him a secret Muslim. And uh, anyway, I, I showed this drawing to, to the art editor, Francoise, and she thought it was really funny. And she showed it to the editor, David Remnick, and he thought it was funny. And, 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 and we, I was given the go ahead with it, you know, and it was, I, I realized it was sort of a risky image, but it was, it was cool that they were taking a chance with something like that. I mean, the thing about it is, is that it doesn't show the people who it's making fun of. And one of the earlier versions of the sketch had, had Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly and several other right-wing commentators looking in through the window. I still have that sketch. And, uh, but it made the, the image too complicated and we just presented it as it was. And when it came out, so plenty of people got the idea and laughed at it, but other people said, I get it, but what are those other people going to think? They're gonna think it's, a, it's you know, endorsing this worldview. So it, it caused a lot of fuss, you know, I've ne never had, I've had a, a, a few covers that have, you know, caused a little bit of a ruckus, but this one particularly, it was, it was everywhere for a few days. It was really nuts. Thankfully There's, it's, you know, how many years ago it's, uh, you know, I've gotten 12, over it. 12, before you were born. I was actually, I wasn't alive back then. I was in two, I was born in 2009. So I don't remember that you're lucky but, you're lucky you didn't have to <laughs> well i have you know looking back at what was happening back then and i mm -hmm. did come across that so i got it when i saw it um <laughs> so your mother didn't take it very well did she right my mom was uh well you know it's 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 your son and he's getting himself into trouble she's you know she wasn't happy about it but she she understood you know after the first horrendous phone call when she called and sort of yelled at me a little bit. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people were, I got a lot of hate mail, but also, you know, I got some supportive emails. I realized, I learned that an AOL email inbox will max out at a thousand because mine quickly went to a thousand and stayed there. And, but, you know, that was, that was it, it. The magazine came out on a Sunday night and it was pretty much nonstop craziness till about maybe Thursday of that week. And then things mellowed out. It helped that John Stewart on the Daily Show, you know, had a, a editorial and talked about it and talked about how ridiculous it was. And it, that's really seemed to help. And, you know, by the next week I was fine again. There were actually some politicians uh, that came out against it. I think John McCain came out against the, uh, the, the illustration. So is it ever hard for you to make fun of anybody? Like if you're really rooting for them or anything, do you ever hesitate before you put anything down in your sketchbook? I mean, honestly, I hesitate before I do anything. You know, I get nervous about everything. You know, even doing this interview, I thought, should I do it? Should I? <laughs> But, you know, any drawing I do, and, and that's why the New Yorker has been so great and Francoise has been so great. She's, she, she tells me, you know, don't self-edit, let me edit. You know, you showed me everything that you've got. And so I sent her 
some images that will, you know, obviously will never appear anywhere and should never appear anywhere. There's a lot of crazy stuff. And, uh, and it's great to have people like that to work with who can, you know, navigate you through, you know, when, when you might self-doubt, we, we, it, it's not always, you know, self-editing isn't always the best thing. It's good to have, to be able to bounce it off somebody smart who knows the market and who knows what works. Do you ever interact with any of the other New Yorker cartoonists? I'm a little, I mean, I've, I haven't seen a lot of people in the last year and a half, to be honest. But yeah, sure, I know lots of other illustrators and cartoonists, absolutely. Do you think that they have the same feelings about their artwork? Do you think they're hesitant? Uh, well, yeah, there are, there's a lot of meekness amongst cartoonists, but I, I, you know, it's like everything. I mean, some I know some really confident illustrators and cartoonists, and I know others who you know, are racked with self-doubt. It, you know, it runs the gamut. So there's one cover that I remember. I don't know why, but uh, I remember this one, and I think you did it. It's one of Trump in the Oval Office and all the Democratic uh, nominees looking into the Oval Office. Did you do that one? Alden, um Jeez, I don't know. I've done so many and I, I don't remember that one. Tell me more about it. So he was in the Oval Office and it was when it was in 2020 when there was still all the uh, Democratic nominees and it was just him basically in the Republican primaries. So they're all looking into the Oval Office like they want the job and he's just kind of looking a little bit behind him. I'm not sure if you did that one, but that one really st stuck out to me, I think. Wow, I don't I don't even remember it as a New Yorker. Are you sure it was a New Yorker cover? Yeah, I am. Uh, but, well, I'll be, I'll be very embarrassed if it was me. Okay, I'll, I'll check after this. What do you think about the current politicians in Washington? Uh, let's just start with the, the, the president. The president is, is gloriously boring. You know, I... I I'm not moved necessarily to to draw him all the time, and that's a good feeling, you know. It's it's. I mean, for a cartoonist, it's not great. I just I scribbled a little drawing of him yesterday, but I'm not sure it'll. I'll get it published anywhere, but I think there will will eventually be more Biden cartoons around. But yeah, after what we've been through the last you know four or five years. It's nice to have, uh, you know, it's nice to not be thinking about what, what the president is doing every single day. And I'm absolutely not thinking about what Biden is doing every day. And then what do you think about the, uh, the House with the narrow Democratic majority and the Senate with 50-50 split? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of really crazy people represented. I mean, you know, they used to talk about, Obama used to talk about his cabinet looking like America. And it sure does seem like the House and the Senate look like America. There's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really a wild time, you know, it's what we lost in Trump, you know, we gained with, you know, any number of, of House, you know, people who were voted in in the House. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually quite unpleasant. It's, it's good for a cartoonist, but you know, you know, I fantasize about going back to Canada. I, I won't. I'm not. But uh, 
I will say it's 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 alarming some of the things that, that you read and hear. This is one recent illustration that I just kind of picked out randomly at the New Yorker's website, and it's called mm-hmm. "The Many Faces of Mitch McConnell." Right. And you titled it uh, Mitch McConnell uh, Emojis, I think. And it's basically uh, his face just nine times on the paper. And then each one is the same except the one labeled underneath it wrathful. And he's kind of in flames there. Um, how did you come up with that one specifically? I don't know if you remember, but. Yeah, I do. I Amazingly, I remember this illustration. And, and basically it was, yeah, they were emojis, different emojis. I, I think I came up with it basically because I was just doodling Mitch McConnell, which is probably not a healthy thing to be doing. (laughs) And I realized that in all the pictures I have of him, he almost always had the same facial expression. And it just seemed funny to have an, you know, a series of emojis that were all the same expression. I think that's where it came, you know, it came up starting with, with a drawing of him. And that's how I handed it in as there were nine. And then, you know, the usual panic I have after I send in a drawing, after I send in these nine um, identical drawings of Mitch McConnell, I thought there should be one that's different. And, you know, he holds a lot of power and maybe it would be funny to show him, you know, losing his temper in one of them. Because obviously there are emotions in the man, you know. So I, I just added that last one, the wrathful one. Well, thank you so much for talking to me on News Nerds. Well, thank you for asking. And I'm really eager to see, uh, see you know, to have a look at that drawing you mentioned uh, of, of Trump and the White House. We're, we'll both start Googling it as soon okay. as we get it. Okay, I'll <laughs> send it to you if I find it. Well, okay. that's Barry Blit. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning cartoonist, and he does cartoons for The New Yorker, uh, He won the Pulitzer last year for editorial cartooning, and he's illustrated over 100 covers featuring U.S. leaders. That's it for this week's episode of News Nerds. On this week's episode, I was your host. I'm Ezra Graham. You can find us on the web at newsnerdspodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes of News Nerds, Cow Pies, and other News Nerds extras. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. While you're there, please subscribe to the podcast. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It really helps our ratings. Another way to listen is by listening on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on KGVM, Community Radio for the Gallatin Valley. If you are not in the Gallatin Valley area, go to KGVM's website, kgvm.org, to listen on their live stream. Until next week, bye-bye.